Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Longcat Media presents The Betty Tapes. Episode 3. Time, 2pm. Date, 28th of June. Place, Twinks' stable again. I know, mad. I'm in the hayloft, and I've just overheard a conspiracy to murder. Which is so annoying. I have too much to do. I don't have time for a murder case. I have to postpone my other cases. Yes, that's right. I've got cases, plural, many cases. Word got around that I was responsible for putting Bindi behind bars, and suddenly I had a load of poshos knocking on my door. In the next few weeks, I have to take photos of a cheating spouse, investigate an exam paper scandal, find out who spray-painted a baronet's fur coat collection, and I'm charging all of them a small fortune. At this rate, if I work my ass off, I'll be able to pay my debts to Margot before the time's up. <sighs> but I suppose a murder case must come first. Ugh. Oh. Or should I call the police? Yes, yes, of course I should. They can sort it out, and I can get on with my paid gigs. Yes. Time, 3.45pm. Place outside the local constabulary. Bloody police! What's the point of them? Oh, a murder, you say? But it hasn't happened yet. Well, call us when it does. Oh, okay, thanks. I'll do that. Apparently, just because the conspirators didn't explicitly use the word kill, or murder, or assassinate, the police won't investigate. Unbelievable. God, I'm going to have to do it myself, aren't I? (sighs) All right, start at the beginning, Betty. So, I was in the hayloft relaxing and eating a marathon bar. Grace had left about ten minutes earlier to do her looking after horses duties, when a couple of braying numpties barged into the stables below me. Two men, very loud and so posh it's like their lips were sewn together. You know the type. How now, brown cow? I peered through a gap in the floorboards to get a look at them. Typical 20-something rugger-buggers. Both of them red of cheek, pale of eye, hair the colour of wet sand. Oh, God, they had annoying nicknames for each other, too. Oh, what were they again? The shorter sandy man was called Woodsy, and the taller one was Jono. I will now attempt to recreate what Woodsy told Jono from memory. <clears throat> Dodger humiliated me, Jono, in front of the whole valley lot of them. He told them that Mater used to call me Timothy Teapot on account of my little spout. They all laughed. They laughed and started chanting, Timothy Teapot, he's only got a little spout. I've lost all authority, Jono. How can I cox for them now? Oh, I can't keep this voice going, it's too silly. Anyway, Woodsy slash Timothy Teapot went on to say that he had a plan to deal with this Dodger chap. Ugh, Dodger. 
Why do they all have stupid nicknames? Anyway, Woodsy said he was going to make Dodger pay once and for all. He said there was going to be an unfortunate accident at the shooting party next week, and he needed Jono's help in devising a plan. Jono enthusiastically agreed to help, claiming the little oink has it coming. What a couple of psychos. Hmm. I need to find out what shooting parties are happening in the area next week, and then infiltrate. Time, 9.45am. Date, July the 1st. Place, my car on a road of disgustingly nice townhouses in Notting Hill. One of which belongs to John, Jono, Cumley Whittingsall. Grace knew who I meant when I described Jono and Woodsy to her. Jono keeps a horse at her stable, and she also has his address on file. So I borrowed some tweeds and a rifle from Grace and drove here to pay him a visit. When he answered the door, I put on my poshest voice and was like, Hi, I'm a neighbour and I've run out of Nescafe. Can I borrow a... Oh my God, Jono, is that you? As expected, he was totes confused. Before he could say anything, I was like, It's me, Betty. We met at that party at Thingy's house, remember? The Christmas party? Or maybe it was a birthday. Theo, Rosa and Woodsy were there and I was with Flo. Oh, you know Flo. Oh my God, you were so drunk. <laughs> I'm not surprised you've forgotten me. How are you? And Jono was like, uh, you're one of Flo's friends? Flo Horsley Jenkins? So I was like, yeah, lovely Flo Flo. And he was like, yes, I think I remember you. Sophie's 21st birthday. And I was like, yeah, that's it. Sophie's 21st. And then I said, God, I just realised what I look like. I'm such a state. I've been shooting clay pigeons. I haven't even changed my clothes. And I'm absolutely glistening with sweat. How embarrassing. No, 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 not at all. You're, you look <clears throat> very nice. I'd undone quite a few shirt buttons and smeared a bit of Vaseline in my cleavage. And my ass looks amazing in jodhpurs. God, I'm good. Naturally, Jono was like, so you shoot, do you? Oh my God, do I? Love, love, love it. Do you shoot, Jono? You look like a man who knows how to handle his weapon. Gross. Flirting is so stupid. Anyway, the upshot is... Jono invited me to a grouse shooting party on Sunday. Don't worry, I checked it was the right shooting party. Jono's type indulge in blood sports all the time, probably because they're no longer allowed to beat the servants. So I just asked him if Woodsy and Dodger would be there too. Jono said yes, the whole gang were going, but that Woodsy had fallen out with Dodger, so it might be best to stay out of their way on the day. Bingo! So there we go. I've wangled an invite to a murder. As yet, I have no idea how to stop it from happening. But I'm sure something will occur to me between now and then. I've got nothing. Nothing. Not even an inkling of a plan. This is a nightmare. Oh, um, time, 8.22am, date 3rd of July. Place, a bathroom on the ground floor of Timothy Woods' country house. Timothy Woods is the real name of Woodsy. Timothy Teapot, the soon-to-be murderer. What do I do? Only half an hour until everyone sets off to massacre a load of poor defenceless birds. And some posh twat too, of course. Does that sound cold? I have to admit, now I've actually met Dodger, sympathy's a little harder to come by. It's really quite extraordinarily unpleasant. Not that I think he should be murdered, of course. Oh, I'm always getting ahead of myself. Start from the beginning, Betty. So, I got here approximately 40 minutes ago. An obscene time to be awake on a Sunday. But apparently, everyone has to have a big hearty breakfast before they commit mass bird aside. 
They're all in the dining room right now. A couple of dozen poshos picking at the breakfast buffet and reminiscing about their school days. Why the hell do posh people always bang on about school so much? I assumed everyone preferred being an adult. No PE, no maths, no forced friendships with flint-eyed egomaniacs. Maybe when you're landed gentry, your adult path is tediously predictable. A cushy job lined up by daddy, a well-bred spouse, chinless children, a series of affairs, cocaine and champers and blood sports and no real emotional investment in anything at all. No passion, no effort, no worries. Just a long shrug in a padded gilet. God, they think I'm one of them. Well, I'm not. I never was, even if I pretended to be. When the revolution comes, I will stand with the proletariat. Oh. Is someone in there? Uh, sorry, occupied. Might be a while. Best use one of the other bathrooms. I'm getting off topic. Back to the case, Betty. So, Jono offered to pick me up in his car, but I want to be able to get out of here on my own steam if I have to, so I drove myself. When I got here, I made a beeline for Woodsy in the hope that looking the murderous bastard in the eye might help me formulate a plan to stop him. He was standing right next to the breakfast buffet, filling his plate with deviled eggs. Sadly, we barely exchanged two words before he announced that he had to go and check his shotgun. I bet you do. I almost followed him out of the room, but decided that might be dangerous, so I strolled over to Dodger instead. I thought maybe I'd be able to subtly warn him of impending danger or something. He was talking to Jono, and of course Jono thinks that Dodger and I have already met. He was like, Dodger, this is Betty, but you already know that. Betty was at Sophie's 21st. But Dodger just shook his head and said, No, never seen you before. I'd remember someone with your build, like a Shetland pony with tits. <sighs> really trying to want to save this man's life right now. Really struggling. A group had gathered around us at that point. I get the impression that Dodger's considered a real hoot. Everyone laughed at the hilarious Shetland pony quip. Of course they bloody did. And then someone made a joke about ponies being a damn good ride. I laughed along, of course. Got to look like a good sport. Worst thing one can be is a bad sport. Jono tried to change the subject to save me. Considering he's a conspirator to murder, he seems to be the least awful person here. It's a low bar. He said, Betty's a friend of Flo Horsey Jenkins, don't you know? Aren't you, Betty? I had no idea what Jono was talking about because I'd completely forgotten what random names I'd previously spouted. But obviously I went along with it. Oh yes, that's right, Flo. Good old Flo, an old friend. And everyone went, oh Flo, we love Flo. And I said, I love her so much. And then Jono said, great, because she's just walked in. Flo, over here, Flo. <gasps> oh my God, it was awful. Just one of the worst moments of my life. And I count the time I was being chased through a theme park by a serial killer in that. I panicked, and I said the first thing I could think of, which was, Oh goodness, what's in those deviled eggs? I really need to poop! And now, here I am, in the toilet, hiding. I can't go back out there. This Flo woman must have told them by now she doesn't know me. But if I don't return, Dodger's going to get murdered. And I still don't have a plan. What do I do? What do I do? Think, Betty, think! Woodsy is planning to shoot Dodger during the hunt and make it look like an accident. So I need to stop anyone from going anywhere. Yes, a temporary measure, but better than nothing. But how do I do that? How? Time, 8.44 a.m. Place, 
A pantry that's bigger than most people's kitchens. I have a plan. It's... fine. As plans go, it's fine. One has to work with what one's got, does one not? And what one has is a bumper pack of extra-strong laxative. Okay. I was looking around the bathroom I was previously ensconced in, thinking, bleach. If I can find bleach, I can make a rudimentary bomb. So while I was rifling through the bathroom cabinets looking for bleach and thinking about how I didn't actually know how to make a bomb from bleach, I found a, frankly, ginormous box of powdered laxative. And I thought, yes, an explosion of a different kind. If everyone gets the squits, no one's going to get murdered, are they? Not today, anyway. The next puzzle was how to get it inside everyone. But then I remembered that Jono told me these shoots are basically a massive piss-up. He told me how everyone has a shot of brandy with a champagne chaser just before they head out. I'm also going to shove some laxative in the teapots, just in case. And that's why I'm now dressed as a waitress. I've worked these events before. Every summer I spent the school holiday waitressing at Ascot and Epsom and various garden parties. So I know Timothy Teapot is using temporary staff. Five minutes ago, I went into the kitchens and approached the most harassed-looking person I could see, a girl carrying a crate of champagne bottles, and I took them from her and said, Here, let me help. Oh, do you know where the aprons are? And the trays and the champagne flutes? And she pointed me to everything. God, I'm good. I'm now about to circulate with a tray of doctored champagne. Now you're probably thinking, but they've seen you, Betty. They know what you look like. They'll recognize you. But that's underestimating how much these people do not look at the staff. Also, I had a waitressing outfit and a blonde wig in the boot of my car. Part of the PI kit I've spent months assembling. So I'm virtually invisible. I mean, granted, the waitressing outfit is more of the French-maid variety, and all the other staff are wearing black t-shirts and trousers, but still, if I change my body language and avoid eye contact, this should be fine. It wasn't fine. It wasn't fine at all. Oh. God. Time, 9.52am. Place, a bush. The moors. Companion, a grouse. There's a grouse sitting on eggs about a foot in front of me. Hello, Mrs. Grouse. Sorry for intruding. Don't mind me. I'm just waiting for the heat to die down. My plan sort of worked very well in some ways. Nobody recognised me when I went into the dining room in my maid's outfit. Got a few leers, a few lecherous looks up and down, but otherwise I was invisible, able to move freely around the room, dispensing laxative hither and thither. I did a bloody good job of that too. After I handed out all the glasses of champagne, I went to the liquor cabinet and poured a good amount of laxative into the brandy. And then I moseyed over to the breakfast buffet to top up the Earl Grey. I even found time to dust a little on the eggs, the kippers, all the bread rolls, the smoked salmon, the lot. There was a faint haze of powdered laxative rising from the table when I finished, like the mist over the moors. It was almost beautiful. But then, then I overheard a conversation. The murderous woodsy, nay, Timothy Teapot, had returned to the room, and so I made my way towards him. It was risky. He was talking to Jono, the most likely candidate to recognise me, but I couldn't resist. They were standing by a floral display, so I pretended to rearrange it while eavesdropping. I shall now recreate the conspiratorial whispers as accurately as I can. Everything's in place, Jono. I will have my revenge, and everyone shall witness it. I can't wait to watch Dodger rising around, gasping like a landed fish. Oh, Woodsy, what fun! 
you know, the bounder insulted my date earlier. She was so upset, she ran off to the toilets and hasn't come back. You mean that little scrubber you brought with you? The one with the arse? I almost upended the flowers on Woodsy's head right there and then. But I restrained myself. Is the price of heroism too high, one wonders? Luckily, after that infuriating comment, Woodsy took a gulp of champagne, and I'm sure I saw an undissolved clump of laxative flow into his mouth. So that was some comfort. Anyway, sweet but ineffectual Jono replied, Don't call her a scrubber, Woodsy. I thought she was cracking. She's probably halfway down the M11 by now. I wonder if I can get her phone number or flow. Woodsy got very annoyed then, going, Can we talk about my revenge, please? And Jono was all, Oh, yes, sorry, absolutely, yes, the revenge. So what did you put it in? And how are you going to make sure Dodger consumes enough of the stuff to have the desired effect? Well, that gave me pause. Consume? I realised that entirely assumed that Woodsy was going to shoot Dodger. But from the sounds of it, the weapon would be poison. Woodsy went on. I've put it in the deviled eggs. He's the only one who eats the disgusting things. And don't worry about whether it'll affect him or not. I used the extra strong stuff for constipated horses. I tested it out on one of the staff this week. The results were extraordinary. It only takes about ten minutes to take effect. And when it does, there's no stopping it. Dodger's going to fill his trousers in front of the whole shooting party. And Jono, it's going to happen any minute now. I couldn't believe my ears. Woodsy was never going to kill Dodger at all. He was just going to humiliate him. And that's why the laxative I found in the bathroom looked so agricultural. Oh, damn it. I should have realised it wasn't normal to have a picture of a horse on a box of laxative. <sighs> if I've learned anything from this whole debacle, it's that attention to detail is very important, and assumptions can lead one down a very wrong path. God, I felt like I was in a sort of dream in that dining room. I looked around me. Everyone finished their champagne. There was Flo reaching for the Earl Grey, talking to a pair of chinless wonders scarfing salmon. A man with teeth like tombstones stood at the liquor cabinet, helpfully filling everyone's hip flasks with brandy and handing them round. And Woodsy was wrong. It wasn't just Dodger eating the deviled eggs. Though just before I ran from the room a second time, I did see him put two in his mouth at once. I'll be honest, I panicked and hid in the toilet again to try and figure out what to do next. There was nothing that could be done. I heard the screams first, the shouts, and then the desperate banging at the bathroom door. Let me in, let me in. The cries of, it's too late, it's coming, it's coming. Why won't it stop? They'll all be fine, obviously. Embarrassed, but fine. Nobody was murdered, that's the main thing. It's a shame my car chose this day to conk out. I think once the last guest has departed, I'll come out from this bush and ask one of the kitchen staff if I can use the phone to call the AA. But until then, I'm quite happy here with Mrs. Grouse. The Betty Tapes is a Mockery Manor miniseries starring Hayley Evanett as Betty with additional voices by Lawrence Owen. Written by Lindsay Sharman and directed by Lawrence Owen. Music, sound design and editing by Lawrence Owen. Join us next week for the fourth and final episode of The Betty Tapes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
Space Podity, an actual play D&D Spelljammer podcast. In Space Podity, four adventurers visit the worlds and vex the GMs of other actual play shows. Keep listening for a sneak peek and please subscribe so you don't miss the first episodes set in the campaign of the long-running Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Acting Captain's Log. We've crashed our flying birdbath mansion. Long story. The party of groundling adventurers on board is kind and heroic, but untrusting, and is staring at me. It consists of a traumatized minotaur. You want to see traumatized? A spooky Asimar child. I'm an adult An adult Asimar child, whom I suspect to be enthralled by a hidden power, and the most headstrong elf I have ever met, and that includes Rascal Gar, the cataclysmically reckless from the former Arajanon Zed. Sounds fun. Also, the mansion's kitchens are out of ale. How am I going to function? Space Podity. Find us wherever your podcasts are.